This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Good afternoon, my conscious co-creators. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I am very, very pleased that you are all here with me today. I've got a wonderful show in store for you with an amazing filmmaker. I'm very happy to have him uh, back on the show after a couple of years and I think you will like him too. So let's get started with our show. First, of course, we have our quotes of the day from the universe and from Abraham. Let's see what they have to start us off and kick us off today. First, from the universe. If it wasn't for needing you there so much, I'd need you here. Thanks. On behalf of all those in your life right now who are just too busy or stressed or sad to see how much you add to theirs. You know who I mean. We just named another galaxy after you, the universe. Ah, we love our quotes from Mike Dooley in the universe. I think reminding us uh, today that we actually do play a very important role here on planet Earth uh, in our lives and in the lives of the people around us. You know, so many times, I think we affect people's lives in such a positive way, and we don't even realize it. I, I remember one time uh, I, I used to run this Law of Attraction meetup group, and uh, I would run it for a couple of years, two, three years, and I'd be on hiatus for a few months, and I'd run it again. And, and there was a, a guy who showed up who I hadn't seen for about four or five years, and he was like, Sam, I'm so glad you're doing this again. And I'm going, why? And he goes, oh, you have no idea how much like what you talked about in this group meant to me. And he's telling me about these hardships he went through and how he turned it all around and the inspiration he got from the groups. And I had no clue. I really had no idea. 
And so for him to like, you know, show back up again and let me know how much I affected his life, it really meant a lot to me because sometimes we give and we give and we give and we put the stuff out there. And I'm sure my, my guests can talk about this too. You know, we put all this stuff out there and we don't really know how much it is or isn't affecting people. So um, just a good reminder that, you know, we are needed here. We all have our part to play and uh, we all contribute in our own way. So remember that as you're going through your day today. All right, let's see what Abraham has in store for us today. Let your dominant intent be to feel good, which means to be playful, have fun, laugh often, look for reasons to appreciate and practice the art of appreciation. And as you practice it, the universe who has been watching you practice will give you constant opportunities to express it so that your life just gets better and better and better. Abraham. Mm, a good reminder from Abraham about the uh, art of appreciation and how much when we express our gratitude, when we express our appreciation for little things and big things, how much, first of all, it helps us to feel good. It, it adds to our lives and it adds to the lives of people around us. You know, how often when we take the time to appreciate someone, I guess, you know, going back to that story, that gentleman who came back to my group after so many years and expressed how much he appreciated it, you know, those little acts of appreciation, just letting someone know how much you mean to them, it, it, it can really make such a big difference in people's lives. So, I mean, it's not just, and of course, the, we all know the energy around things is so important. The energy we bring into our work, into our relationships, into our family life, into everything, it, it really determines so much. But not just the energy, but just the the feeling of of being appreciated and of appreciating others. It just lifts people's spirits up so much that, that it, you can't overestimate how important this can be in people's lives. And, and you know, reminds me of like some of these uh, stories and quotes I see on Facebook about how, you know, someone just expressed appreciation or gratitude or, or, or a simple act of kindness to somebody who uh, was literally like thinking of committing suicide or something. And because that person just did that little act of kindness, how it brought him back from the brink and really helped them to, to, to feel like, Oh, okay. Like I do matter. I do. I, I, there is something for me to stick around here for. We never know what's going on inside of people and doing these little things from a very impactful, energetic standpoint can have such a difference in people's lives. So um, I'm, I mean, know I'm kind of rushing through my quotes today. It's just because I'm really excited because I'm really uh, looking forward and I really want to introduce you to my guest today. A, a, I like to call him a conscious filmmaker, uh, Douglas Vermeeren. Uh, Douglas is best known for his interviews of 400 of the world's top achievers and producing three of the top 10 personal development movies, which are The Opus, The Gratitude Experiment, and The Treasure Map. I don't know The Treasure Map. I can ask him about that one. He's also a multiple international best-selling author, including his most recent book, Personal Power Mastery, which is what we had him on the show last time about. 
Douglas Gathers, Bob Proctor, Dennis Wheatley, John Martini, Joe Vitale, John Asaroff, Marie Diamond, to go deeply in the how of personal reality creation in his new film, How Thoughts Become Things. How Thoughts Become Things has already set a record for viewership in the first 24 hours of its release, surpassing even the secret. This is the first time since that groundbreaking film that these questions have been explored in such detail. Not only does the film reveal the degree to which thoughts may influence our reality, but also exposes several commonly held beliefs that are preventing many from creating the outcomes they most desire. Welcome to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Doug. How are you doing today? Really good. It's good to be back with you. Yeah, no, pleasure, pleasure. Now I actually get to see you because last time I just had you on the phone, so I didn't even get a chance oh, to funny. see you. Oh, funny. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So uh, just for our audience who's, who's not familiar uh, with you too much, how did you, just very briefly, how did you um, get into filmmaking and what really like drove you to kind of create these more sort of, I like to call them conscious films? Yeah, of course. Yeah, um, basically, I, uh, I kind of, fi- <laughs> funny enough, started uh, filmmaking when I was in about the second grade. I started as a oh, background wow. extra. So I got really excited about film. But kind of the big turning point for me, um, I came from a family where my father worked in construction. My mom babysat kids in the home. There was oh, no wow. real interest in personal development or any kind of you know, conscious awareness of these things. And someone gave me the book, Think and Grow Rich, when I was about 19. Uh. And that's what led me to go out and actually interview more than 400 of the world's top achievers. So I literally did the work that Napoleon Hill had done by going to firsthand meet with these people. And to be quite frank, from that time at the beginning, I actually was already interested to do a film on the interviews that I was doing. I mean, you get to some of the world's biggest you know, business leaders and brand leaders and success stories. That's probably worth documenting. Um, but at that point, sure. yeah, no, nobody was really interested in a film on that because they didn't know where it fit, right? Mm. And then so when, <clears throat> excuse me, when What the Bleep Do We Know came out and then yeah. The Secret came out, people said, hey, there might be a market for this kind of stuff. <laughs> and, um, you know, what's funny is I had so much interesting information that no one had ever heard before that uh, immediately our first film, The Opus, was really well received. Random House mm. did 23 languages on it worldwide. And from there, um, yeah, I've been making films like this and other films ever since. Okay. All right. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. So what was the impetus for your latest film for How Thoughts Become Things? Why another film? Like what didn't The Secret and What the Bleak Do We Know and all these others cover that you felt needed to be talked about in this film? Well, there, there's really two ways to answer that. One of them, first of all, is I believe that the secret and what the bleep were just beginnings of a conversation. There's so much more that we need to talk about. But the second thing, and I'm, I'm trying to be kind when I say this, there's a lot of coaches and speakers that are out there, uh, people that maybe, you know, they go to Tony Robbins once or they've seen the secret yeah. and tomorrow they're a life coach, right? right. <laughs> or tomorrow they're a law of attraction coach, you fill in the blank. One of the things that I found very interesting when I went out and I did my firsthand interviews with 400 of the world's top achievers, I want to point out that that's just one or two people that I met. That was 400 of the world's elite And uh, what I noticed was that there were some very significant markers that appeared in every one of them that, quite frankly, most of the coaches and speakers and people teaching this stuff are completely unaware. They don't, they, in fact, even teach some things that are incorrect, that are counterproductive. 
And um, the reason why is because most of them have never experienced high levels of success themselves. And so you've got an audience, uh, a general public that wants to learn these things, that wants to better their life, that wants to crave that, but the resources for them aren't there. And so when I started looking at, um, you know, some of the top achievers that I've been involved with, uh, I noticed that the big consistent thing for not only, you know, what they did, but also for me, as I applied what I learned when I was with them, it all really came down to the thinking, but it not in the way that most people are teaching. Right. And, uh, I guess the thing that, you know, is kind of interesting is most people do, you know, kind of you know, focus a lot on the, hey, let's have positive thoughts. Hey, let's think good about things and let's be optimistic. But that's actually incorrect information as well. So, um, yeah, so I felt the film needed to be made to like, let's set the record straight. Let's give everybody what they really need so that they can level up in the areas of their life that they'd like to do. Right. right. Wonderful. Wonderful. We just got a couple of minutes before we take our first break. Um, I want to say the 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 sort of misconceptions and the and the mm. and the, the disbeliefs for after the break. But I just want to ask you: of those four hundred people that you've interviewed, you said like there were certain markers that really yeah. kind of stuck out in your mind. Uh, were there some that that really super surprised you, or like that were sort of counterintuitive? That kind yes. of came to the forefront. Yes, and, and and you know what? Like I said, there's a lot that's taught in current sort of personal development that's not true. Just a couple. Right. Get out of your comfort zone totally the wrong answer. You should not get out of your comfort zone. You need to get into your brilliant zone. You're spending time outside doing things that are uncomfortable. You're generally spending things that are not worthwhile, right? Like you're developing talents that are not your strengths. You're never going to benefit. Another thing that we hear all the time is to eliminate toxic people. The truth is, is most people don't even understand what a toxic person is. Now, get, don't get me wrong. I am saying eliminate abusers. That's different. Mm. But most of the time, a toxic person to, you know, the regular kind of Joe blow out there um, thinks it's anyone that sort of speaks in a way that hurts our ego or hurts our feelings. Mm. The truth is, is there's times you need to know stuff and yeah. it's not going to be comfortable for you to hear. Yeah. And so, you know, top achievers don't run from problems. They learn how to manage them. And so if you're right away trying to eliminate all the problems from your life and trying to run from any bit of responsibility or from people that make you feel bad, you're actually in a mode of contraction rather than an expansion. Mm. And so there's a lot of little things like that that I found. In fact, it's funny. I should probably write a book one of these days called 25 Lies Your Guru Told You because the truth is is most of the stuff – yeah, well, maybe that's what we'll do. But the truth is, is most of the stuff that's taught out there isn't working for people. That's why you have people who kind of show up at seminars again and again, and they're spending so much on books and everything. They're just not making any progress. It's because they're being given the wrong information. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's one of the things I, I, I attempt to promote uh, like when I talk about sort of the work that I do it's like Mm. you do not need another guru you do not need to go to another workshop Uh, you know you are already perfect in the way you are does not mean there's not room for growth does not mean that there's not uh, uh, things you may feel like you want to change about yourself but it's kind of like when we accept that we're perfect with all of our fallibilities, with all of our imperfections, then yeah. we can move forward in a much more empowered way. Yeah, and, and I'd, I'd agree with you. I think the one thing that's important to remember is we as people don't have deficiencies, but if we would like to have higher level experiences and we want to duplicate to some extent the results that other people have gotten, we've got to be very selective on who we choose as our mentors. For example, yeah. you'll never learn how to become a millionaire from someone who is not yet a millionaire. It's just like, if you think about it, you know, uh, let's take an example of a cooking class. 
you could never learn how to build that you know amazing souffle dish if you're trying to learn from someone who hasn't even mastered cupcakes yet right so we've got to really i think as as a personal development industry we've got to ask more questions yeah. And, you know, there's also a brand new service that I'm really excited about called Coach Verification that's coming out. It's going to actually verify whether people are, first of all, legit and who they say they are and also give the, uh, the public an ability to see what experiences others have had with that person. Oh, and, awesome. if, and if they literally can deliver the results, you'll be able to know. And I think uh, I'm not trying to sound mean because I think there's a lot of brilliant, awesome coaches, speakers, trainers out there. There's a lot of amazing people. But there's also a lot of riffraff. And I don't think that mm-hmm. they should be sort of giving the rest of us a, a, a bad name in the marketplace. So I'm grateful for a service like this. Yeah, it, will, it, it will make the champions rise. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so gr- glad to hear that because I've, I've been complaining about, not complaining, but I've been stating that same observation myself for a number of years. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, let's start off talking about, um, you know, the, the intent of the film mm-hmm. and, and sort of the, the main points you're trying to make with the film for our audience. And then, sure. what are some, and then let's kind of touch upon some of those uh, myths and misbeliefs and things that actually are preventing people from getting the success they want. Okay. Awesome. Let's do it. Awesome. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on talkradio.nyc and all over Facebook Live. And we'll be right back with our guest, Doug Vermeeren, right after this. And welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. Uh, we're talking with uh, Douglas Vermeeren. Hope I'm pronouncing your last name right. Yeah, you got it perfect. Oh. <laughs> Better than many. Better <laughs> than many. <laughs> good, good. Uh, creator of the film, How Thoughts Become Things. Uh, you know, it's a pretty, uh, I don't want to say simple, but maybe obvious title. Why did you choose that as the title? You know, I'm so glad that you asked that because it was intentionally chosen. I know a lot of times we dismiss the idea of, you know, uh, simplicity is often the best approach. But um, I, I understand that since we're doing this on video, some people may get a chance to see this. And if I were to actually use this whiteboard and just write down how thoughts become things, I think there's an interesting lesson here, right? Um, so for those of you who are just getting audio only, I've written how thoughts become things and I've stacked it. So thoughts and things on one side, how and become on the other. You know, we talk a lot about thoughts. We spend a lot of time with that. Like, how do I overcome negative thinking? How do I overcome fear? How do I build better thoughts for my self-esteem and self-worth? How do I control my thoughts? And there's a lot of conversation there. There's also a lot of conversation around the idea of things, right? Mm-hmm. Thoughts become things. People talk, oh, I want the house. I want the car. I want the beautiful relationship. I want more money in the bank, blah, blah, blah. Right. And the truth of the matter is, is these are both things that we actually don't have a lot of control over in the immediate. In other words, um, when, when it comes to having negative thoughts, one of the things that not a lot of people realize is that thoughts actually, it's not a matter of thinking powerful, pristine, positive thoughts all the time. You can't thoughts actually arrive in a duality, meaning that every time a positive thought comes, there's a negative thought attached to it. You know, again, if you have an idea, for example, to start a business, you've got this enthusiastic thought saying, hey, you can do it. 
but as soon as that one arrives, there's another one that comes right behind it that says, well, you know, maybe not, right? Like you're, you've maybe not done this before. You're not worthy or worth it or whatever. So we're talking a little bit more about that, but thoughts are very misunderstood. The other thing that's misunderstood is things. Mm-hmm. In the film, we talk a little bit about that everything that you actually want already exists in some form or another. So for example, if you want the Ferrari, they make them every day, right? They are there. They exist. It's not your thought that brings it into creation. They exist. Okay. It's your thought that's going to draw it to you. And we'll talk a little bit about that. And, and even things that haven't been invented yet do exist in some form or another because the problems to um, make space for them, the things that, you know, the way that the public is to receive that, that already exists. It's just a matter of becoming aware of that so we can service it. But this other side, the how and the become are often not spoken of. The how is really what we need to do, right? Okay, so that's kind of a checklist type thing. If you have a checklist of all the hows, you can sort that out. Right. And in fact, to some extent, the things are kind of the have, if you will, mm-hmm. right? So if you really want to have those things, you got to figure out the do. But the thing that a lot of people don't really talk about is the become. And that's actually the most important word in this entire opening sentence for the film, how thoughts become things. And I kind of love the way that Jim Rohn explained it once. Jim said, if you win the lottery and you want to keep it, you need to learn how to become a millionaire very fast. Mm. And so this word become is really all about the change. And so that's really this be. And you've heard this idea that if you be it, you can do it, then you can have it. But I think the thing that most people miss is they always focus on the do. They don't think about the be. And uh, it's kind of that idea that, you know, we know that everything vibrates at a frequency. And if we want to have more of that in our life, we really need to understand that we need to learn how to vibrate on that same frequency, which comes from being. So we have to find not only the authentic part of who we are, but how to rise that authentic part to truly attract the things that are meant to be ours. Now, the thing that's interesting about this have is that I think a lot of people also seek after things that are not authentic. And that's why they have such a hard time attracting it. Right? They want what they see everyone else have, right? So that's kind of how we came up with the title. And uh, I'm so glad you asked that because that's probably one of the most important lessons from the film. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting because you talk about the things. And one of the things for me, why I took to the law of attraction very quickly when I learned about it and started studying it and everything and running groups on it, was just this one comment that Abraham said that very few people talk about, where Abraham said that the whole point of imagining yourself in whatever it is you want, a car, a yacht, a big house, a perfect partner, was not for actually having the thing. It was for feeling good. It was for changing your energy around stuff so that you you walking around like feeling so good all the time, it almost doesn't matter if the things actually come to you. And so that to me kind of brought it to a much deeper level where it's really much more of a spiritual teaching about the energetics of how we live and that if we have the right energy around us and around our intentions and what we're doing, the things will naturally come to us that we're supposed to have. Well, let me also share it this way. Everyone is wealthy. Our wealth just appears in the form that we value most. And so we will give our energies, our efforts, our insights to what we find valuable. In fact, using the flip chart again, here's something that might be kind of interesting. So let's say that we've got a seesaw, you know, a teeter-totter, right? Mm -hmm. When there's something that we have low value towards, something that we don't really care a lot about, Mm -hmm. right? 
it takes a lot of motivation on this end to get us to do anything about it. We just, we won't do it, right? Like it, you really got to pull someone. But if it's inverse and you actually do understand the value of it and your value for that is really high, and, and maybe it's even something that someone's asked you to do, but you see the purpose behind it, you get it. Well, then it doesn't really take a lot of motivation to get you to do anything. You're willing to do it in a hurry because you can see how it aligns with your values and your and your things that you want in your life. And I think that this is a really big part of how thoughts become things too. You see, every one of us are born into a set of programming based mm -hmm. on the families that we have. In fact, even based on the families that your parents came from and so on and so forth yeah. and the communities and everything. And so there's certain values that we're given. Now, that doesn't mean that those values can't change. In fact, even our programming, to be quite frank, we're like everybody talks about being programmed as a child, right? Oh, you know, I'm just like my mom or I'm just like my dad, right? That's the family I was in. And either people feel like that was a blessing and some people feel like it was a curse. But the truth of the matter is, is there's that saying that says we become like the five people we spend the most time with. Present tense, not past tense. Spend the most time with. So even if our programming as a child had a big effect on how we interpret things, how we see things, the big lie is, is that some people think they're stuck there and right. you're not right. One of the fastest ways to uplevel your thinking is to certainly change those you spend time with or those that you recognize as um, influences in your life. And, and not just the people, but all things, the social media you're on, the TV you're watching, the radio, you're, all these things contribute to your, your beliefs about the world. And if we want to really see our vibration rise in a hurry, start hanging around with better people and things. It's that yeah. simple. Right? Yeah. No, that's great. That's great. Um, before we go to our next break, I just want to ask mm. you about um, your experiences working with the people you have in the film, like John Maltini. Yeah, Bob actually, John's, John's one of my best friends. Really? I love yeah. his work. I love his work. Someone uh, recommended his book, The Breakthrough Process, to me oh, a yeah. time ago, and I read it, and oh my God, just reading the book, you feel like you're going through the process. It was he's wonderful. amazing. I, yeah, he's amazing. So, so what was it like to, to kind of work with these people to put together this film? Yeah. Well, the interesting thing is, is I share the stage with all of them very regularly, and they've all been friends for a number of years. So, for example, like John, like I said, he's one of my best friends. We've uh, spoken together in South Africa, in the UK, in Canada, in like you name it, right? Mm -hmm. um, but Bob Proctor, close, close friend of mine as well. In fact, we're both Canadian. He wrote the four of my last three books, including the one you talked about earlier, Personal Power Mastery. Mm -hmm. Bob's also in my other book, the Gra or movie, The Gratitude Experiment. Um, but all of those guys are friends. Dennis Waitley is actually kind of like one of my adopted grandpas. So uh -huh. he and I, he and I chat a couple times a week and, you know, we hang out at his house and he, you know, he, he and I have really deep discussions. So all of these people are friends of mine um, and have been for years. But here's the interesting thing is, is when I went out, I, I interviewed the 400 of the world's top achievers. There were a lot of people that I met, uh, not just thought leaders, but business leaders, movie stars, celebrities, athletes. And so um, whenever I make a movie, I really got a lot of choices on who I want to bring into it to tell and share the information, to tell the story and share the information. And so when I looked at this idea of how thoughts become things, probably one of the biggest ideas that came into my mind is this was a question that really, you know, I mean, if we look back, the, the original kind of first discussion on this that I can find was in 1882, where Prentice Mulford wrote a book called Thoughts Are Things. And that kind of was a bit of an, uh, um, I guess, a beginning for even books like The Science of Getting Rich and Ian and Napoleon Hill and many others. 
And then of course it was brought up in the secret, right? Mm -hmm. But the big thing that everybody says is it's always the thoughts become things. They're all dramatic about it. Thoughts become things, right? What we dwell on is what we become and all these things that they say, but nobody's really tackled the question of how. Right. But right. the thing with, with the people in my film, you know, if we look at all these top thought leaders, everybody from, you know, like John Osterhoff, John Demartini, Bob Doyle, Dennis Waitley, Marie Diamond, you know, Bob Proctor, all, all these people like this. And, and some of the ones that you may not know that are in the film, like Travis Fox. And the thing that's kind of neat is not only do they practice the, the ability to manifest things in their life, but they've been teaching it enough that they can explain how. And this is an important principle, because I think there's a lot of people, again, that practice something but they don't necessarily know how to share it right right and 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 there's nothing wrong with that like they're just not their gift is not being a teacher um so i needed some people who practiced it but they also uh knew how to, how to articulate it in a well a way that other people could get it mm-hmm. and so i think that's kind of why i chose the cast for this film and there were a few other ones that um you know i wanted to have in the film but due to you know time and schedules and that it was a little tricky to get them but I think we've got a really good cast this time and just some really awesome people sharing it. Yeah, yeah, it is. Absolutely, absolutely. And they do a really good job. By the way, our loyal listener, Patty, on the uh, Facebook Live says, Happy Canada Day since you're Canadian. Oh, yeah, that was yesterday. Thank you. Yeah, we had a fun time. Spent the day with my family and we all went out. There's a a, a little kind of uh, park that just opened again after COVID near our home. So went there and spent the day with everybody. It was really fun. Thank you. Oh, and she reminds me, I didn't, do you know Mitch Horowitz? He's a, a, another person I had on my show. He's an author um, who delves into stuff. He's pretty good, too. Uh, oh, he, cool. he, he gets into a lot of, like, the history of, quote-unquote, mm. occult stuff, but he, he's, he, and he's really good at um, some unknown people. He, he's got a yep. good sense of finding, like, some unknown people, but who have amazing... Um, impactful ideas anyway. and, and I think that that's that's one of the things I search for too because the truth is is uh, and, and again I'm not saying anything to disrespect some of the biggest names that are out there but there's some people that are really really good marketers yes so therefore they are visible and there are some people who are really great teachers but their focus is really on you know the teaching and so they don't either develop a team or have the strength to be marketers so sometimes it's it's a blessing to find those let's call them right. diamonds in the rough right awesome yeah. Awesome. Okay, we're going to take our next break. And when we come back, let, I want to dive into what are the things that people are hearing that are wrong? Like, what oh, are yeah, the sure. things that, that we're doing wrong? How you long know, is your what? show? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to do the Reader's Digest condensed version. Of course we will. If they want yeah. to know the details, they got to go to the and watch the movie on howthoughtsbecomethings.com, right? Wonderful. All right, so everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're talking this hour with filmmaker Doug Vermeeren, um, all about how thoughts become things. So let's talk about how thoughts don't become things. Uh, <laughs> what are some of the things that people commonly think we're supposed to be doing that we're doing wrong, that actually are preventing us from creating and, and attracting to us the things in our lives that we really want? 
Wow. Like, like we were saying before the break, there's a lot that we could talk about here where people are missing it. But I, I think one of the biggest things, if we're just talking about thought to start at that, um, you know, one of the things that I, I think is um, where we've got, got to be careful is just this idea, like I said earlier, that we need to have these perfect, pristine thoughts, that everything needs to be perfect. We need to be in a state of Zen to manifest that if we don't get into our flow, nothing will go. And that's not true, right? The truth is, is um, about thoughts, and, and this might shock you a little bit because, um, you know, a lot of the gurus say we can't be reactionary. Well, the truth is, is by nature, we are. As humans, we are. We respond. Let me just give a really good example here. If I, if I were to say the word right now, dog, right? Think of a dog, right? Now, the interesting thing is, is you listening, you never were thinking of a dog two seconds ago until I said it, until I brought it up. So your thought actually is reactionary. It forms things based on what it receives. Now, there's two really important things that we can learn about that if we start to understand that that is how we operate. Number one is that if we make a decision ahead of time about certain things in our life, if I say the word dog, you're going to think of the dog that you decided to on your own right? So if I said at the beginning of this show, think of a dog, because later we're going to talk about it, and I gave you time, and I gave you space, you could think of the kind of dog, the size of dog, the color of dog, etc. Now, that really, again, is mistake number one. Mistake number one, again, is that people do not take the time to predetermine what it is that they want for certain outcomes in their life. And if you remember in, in, in the book, Personal Power Mastery, we talked about that there's really five areas that everybody's trying to build something in their life. That's going to be their feelings of self-worth, self-confidence, self-esteem. It's going to be their spirituality. It's going to be in their health. It's going to be in their relationships, or it's going to be in their abundance. Those are the only five areas that we really as humans try to build things in. So if you know ahead of times, for example, what your abundance is going to look like, now when something appears in your life that either fits with that or doesn't fit, you can now make a decision. So that you can either take advantage of that opportunity and bring it into your life and start creating the probability that it will occur. So that's number one. The other side of this, which is interesting, because our thoughts are reactionary, we are very influenced again by what we surround ourselves with and who we choose to be with. So in other words, we rise to the standards or the levels of those that we spend the most time with. Now, this kind of brings us to another point we talked about earlier, and I want to really clarify this, that idea of toxic people. Everybody mm -hmm. thinks that we need to eliminate all the toxic people from our life. Now, again, we do eliminate abusers, but toxic is different. Now, toxic in the film, I talk about this a little bit. There's really two kinds of toxic people. And if we really understand what they are and where their place is and how we associate with them, we can manage them better. And that's what top achievers do. Like I said, they don't run from problems. They manage them, including toxic people. So the first kind is what we call a complainer. Now, a complainer never, ever comes to the table with an idea, a solution, a support, or anything. They just blah, blah, blah. Everything's negative. Well, you know what? If you don't have a foundation within you of what you already want and believe, it's pretty easy to subscribe to that, right? You've heard the saying that says that if we don't stand for something, we'll fall for anything, right? So if we know ahead of time who we are, what we want, what we'll endorse and support, we can decide to like, subscribe, follow, and be part of that or not, right? But the right. other kind of um, toxic person is, is, a, is a little bit, how should we say, more important to us than a complainer, right? Because this one actually comes with useful information sometimes, and that's mm -hmm. a critic. A critic generally shows up with uh, a correction. Sometimes it's a fact, sometimes it's an idea, sometimes it's support, but they're always, um, they're not always good communicators, <laughs> right? <laughs> so when they share that to us, sometimes it doesn't, sit well with our ego, right? right. But right. sometimes we do need to hear that. 
And right. I think it's, it's, it's one of these things where you've heard the saying that says you can be right or you can be rich. You can't be bold. Now, I want to suggest that this idea of being rich doesn't just refer to money. It refers to all forms of abundance, all forms of wealth. And most of the time we cut it off because we think we have the best answers. We think we know best. And when someone comes with something that could help and support us and it hurts to hear it, generally we're like, oh, toxic person, go away. You don't get what I'm all about. But the truth is, is what do they say? Uh, sometimes a mentor is someone who can see things about you that you can't see. Are you willing to be mentored? Are you willing to be taught? That's a really good question, right? right. So when it comes to, to just thoughts and, and how we start really kind of transforming that into, into being able to, how should we say, become, to be, to level up, um, I think there's a lot of misunderstandings as, as far as how we should approach it. And I think, quite frankly, there's a lot of people who are very frustrated because when fear happens or doubt or negativity, they question themselves and they say, maybe I'm not good enough because everyone else seems to be manifesting great. We look on social media and everybody's winning but us, right? And, and, and it's really not a, a correct viewpoint. The other right. thing that's kind of interesting if we look, and this is kind of a funny story to even tell this, if we look at another big mistake that a lot of people make when it comes to thought and approaching success, um, how, do we, how do we say this? Okay, so let me maybe share it to you this way. When I first started uh, as a young man, 19, I'd interviewed many of the top achievers by that point. I was going to start a business and I met with this fellow who I knew who's worth about $300 million. And I wanted some business advice because I was going to start my first business. And so uh, I kind of started asking questions and I started saying, what should I do to do this? And how should I do this part? And um, how should I work with the customers here? And how should I do this? And what should I? And he says, oh, I can tell you're going to start a very small company. And I was actually kind of offended. I was like, what do you mean? I'm not going to start a small company. I want to do a big company. He goes, oh, no. The questions that you're asking, you're going to start a very small company. Uh, it's like, what do you mean by that? He says, well, the reason why is because you're asking selfish questions. And I mm. said, tell me more. And he said, well, whenever somebody takes on all the responsibility of an outcome and says, how can I, how should I, what should I, mm. he says, you're going to be very small. Instead of that, you should be asking, who can help me? Mm. Who could do this? Who can support me with that? Who can teach me how to do that? Who can open this door? Who can make that happen? So we switch from a selfish question to a who question. Mm -hmm. And if you think of all major successes, all major successes in the world have all been built by a team. I right. know it's a bit deceiving because our world tends to put the guy who wins the Academy Award up there by himself mm -hmm. or the Olympian that wins the gold medal up there by themselves. But the truth is, is if you look closely enough, no one's won an Academy Award by themselves yet. Right. No one's won an Olympic gold medal without a nutritionist, a coach, and all these other people, teammates, et cetera, yet. So we've got to start thinking again. If we want to level up our thinking and really get to the things that we want, it's that lie of if it's, up to, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. That's a total lie. Mm. Nothing good has ever been accomplished by an individual. Only limitation. And if right. you think about it, the universe is always in expansion mode. And anything right. that contracts or works small or thinks individually rather than collectively – is actually on the path to limited results. It's that right. simple. You can either play high or you can play low, no, and slow. Yeah. And this is where everybody's by themselves. This is where everybody's as a group. Right. And, and it, just, it just makes even sort of common sense in a way that when you're working together with other people, then it's not just your own thoughts, ideas, efforts, energy being put into it but it becomes a collective effort. And whenever you're working with two or three or four or more people, 
the result is actually much greater than anyone's individual effort combined yeah. together. Yeah, kind of so, like the mastermind principle. But, yeah. but here's, a, here's another thought too. We talked here earlier about thoughts become things. Mm-hmm. You know, the interesting thing about things is things are always the result of a relationship. Right. In other words, if you want to have money, you have to provide something to someone else who's going to provide to you the money. So everything, everything that you ever want, whether it's a good relationship, whether it's even feelings of self-worth, because that includes validation to you, right? Anything is, is a relationship. Right. And so if you don't have that power there or that understanding there, or that connection there, you're destined to actually be minimalized and to always be scarce. And if you can't get along or play well with others, then it's the same thing, right? <laughs> you're destined to be very soon alone and empty. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Um, Let's take our final break of the show at that point at this point. Um, And when we come back, uh, I want to ask you just a a couple of trick questions about creating the movie, uh, sort of what you learned in the process of actually creating it and whether, you know, anything kind of surprises you along the way. Oh, sure. Everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, and we will be right back after this. me in a sneeze. All right. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We've been speaking this hour with Douglas Vermeeren, uh, creator of the movie, How Thoughts Become Things. So, uh, Doug, I'd like to know, um, in the just the process of creating the movie, interviewing these great people like Bob Proctor, Joe Vitale, uh, John Assaroff, John Martini, did anything unfold that kind of surprised you along the way? Wow, that's a great question. And, you know, it's, it's always a blessing to be able to spend time with uh, my friends here and ask them any questions that I, I would like, right? I guess here's, how do I say this? One of the big things that I think kind of surprised me and also made my life very difficult was that I got so much really good information and so much power as we prepare to shoot this film. In fact, my big challenge was, is what do I include in the film and what can I not include in the film just due to time constraints and other things. So one of the ways that I overcame that, just so people know, is right now, when you uh, get access to the film, there's actually a workbook that you get with it. It's part of the package. You also get an audio with it and you also get um, you know, uh, an additional quote book and things. There's also available to you behind the scenes interviews and all, all the tools that you need to do this. So for me, this was the first time that I really kind of felt like I didn't really want to create a movie. Mm. I wanted to create an outcome. Mm. And what I mean by that is the movie is sort of, how should we say, the introduction to all the materials that you can access that will allow you to really start manifesting what you want. Mm. Um, because the, the thing is, is how do we say this? And I'm even speaking towards my own films. Um, you have an experience with a movie, but most people generally they watch it and they go, Oh, it was great. I loved it. It felt good. I enjoyed the content. Really smart people. I took lots of notes and then they put it away. It's kind of like that idea that self-help becomes shelf help. Yeah. And so my mission this time with this film different than any other film that I've been a part of is to really help people to manifest a difference in their life. 
Mm-hmm. And the cool thing that I'm noticing, and um, certainly, you know, what's going on right now in the world with COVID and all these kinds of things have, have put us all in a really interesting learning experience. Right. 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 And so I think for the first time with a film, I've seen a different response to my movies than maybe ever before, because the things that we're actually talking about in the film, overcoming fear, overcoming thoughts that paralyze us, overcoming negativity, overcoming, right? Um, or at least learning how to even take those things and build better or stronger uh, opportunities, even though we're hitting that. I've never actually seen a film of mine yet. Like they're all good, but I've never seen a film of mine yet appear at such a timely uh, way that just really has, it's been exactly the right thing at the right place that everybody's needed. And I was just actually on um, uh, an interview with a fellow from CNN the other day. And he, he and I were talking about that probably the most dangerous thing that COVID has left is not the health situations, but the feelings, Mm. the thoughts. And in some cases for some people, it's been really challenging. Other people, they found a way to cope and get through, but you know, how is it now we can also reunify with each other? Right. Right. right? So funny. I think yeah. you're reading my mind because my next question mm. is going to be about the relevance of the film in today's world, in the pandemic and in all the challenges that people are dealing yeah. with, um, which you've, you've answered so beautifully. It's, it's actually more relevant than ever before. And well, yeah. well, it's interesting that you say that because one of my favorite things, like every day now I'm getting um, emails and uh, believe it or not, I've even got some regular mail too. Hey, people still write regular mail, right. but I've gotten a ton of email. Yeah, I've gotten a ton of emails and um, from people that have enjoyed the film or used it to help them in their life in some way. And one of my favorite emails that I got so far was um, there was a, an 11 year old boy that tracked me down through Instagram and he had sent me a message and he basically said, you know, my favorite part of the film and how it helped me was your discussion on fear. He said, um, I was bullied at school and still am. Uh, I'm fearful also of, uh, kind of, you know, what am I going to do in school? Like, what should I study? What should I'm 11 and I, I'm just lost because I see my future such a question mark. And then he says, but the biggest thing right now is he says, I see all the adults around me are in fear because of COVID. He says right now, you know, everyone who's talking about it on the news is mostly talking from an adult perspective. No one's talked to us kids about this yet. And the only thing that we observe as kids is we see all the adults that we have as authority figures in our life and they're terrified. We have no idea what to do about this. And it scares us. And so he said, as soon as I saw the film and I can understand in the discussion we have about what is fear, how does it serve us? Why do we have it? And then how can we use fear to really propel us into a better position? He says um, that he was just so thankful for that. And to me, that was kind of neat because I'll be honest, um, I hadn't even thought that th- these young people were being excluded because I'm, I was thinking about me, right? Like, I think that's how all of us are. And we right. don't realize that this fear that's kind of come in is, and these changes, it's a new thing for everybody, right? Everybody. So... Um, Patty on on the Facebook Live asks, isn't positive thinking the same as uh, thought, how thoughts become things? And the answer no. to that question is no. You know what? Here's something that I wish I would have shared in the film. And I'm going to take a second and even just draw this out because I think it's important to recognize this. So um, there's really actually funny enough if we really back up and 
and I'll try and do this quick because I know our time. Heck, I could teach on this for about a, a day and a half if we had the time. I say you should like do a course. <laughs> well, you know what? There is actually um, uh, a training that is available that you can get access to through How Thoughts Become Things. Oh, but yeah. here, here's something that's very interesting. We've all heard this um, about this study that Harvard did where they said people have 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. Some yes. people more, some people less. I know some people that have way, way, way less. Seems like they're not thinking at all. Just kidding. That's mean to say. But in all seriousness, what they didn't tell you in that study is that 80 to 85% of those thoughts are either negative or neutral. Now, we all understand what negative thinking is, right? right? And we have a lot of discussions around that, but most people don't talk about neutral. Most mm. people either say positive or negative thinking. And the truth is, is there's actually four kinds of thinking, not two. And so if we look at it, a great analogy that I love to use is kind of to compare it to like buoyancy in water, right? Something floating, something not floating. And if we look, if this is the bottom of the ocean, so to speak, this is negative buoyancy, everything that's here at this end sinks to the bottom. And anything that's negative long enough actually becomes even more negative. If you think about somebody who's negative and, and things aren't going well and they're thinking poorly, eventually they become depressed and could even become suicidal. So this is the absolute bottom. But I don't think most of us speak or think there all the time. I, out of that 80%, I don't think most of us are all the time negative. But I do believe that most of us, if we look at what neutral buoyancy is, neither at the top or the bottom. I think most of us are neutral all the time. Most of us are in a state of ritual tendencies. We do our habits. We do the things we do. We're on autopilot. We don't really think about it. The challenge is, is autopilot generally, or neutral as well, generally over time will dissipate down to be negative because we don't feel like we're making progress. Socrates once said that we are teleological beings and the only place that we find success is when we're making progress. And when we kind of just sit there and doing the same thing every day, not even thinking about it, eventually we become depressed. Now, the next kind of thinking is interesting. It is positive. And the thing that's interesting is if you look at the analogy of water, this is water at the top, positive buoyancy means to float near the top. But the problem with positive is it's still affected by the water around it. If you're in a swimming pool, try to jump out while you're in, even if you're at the top. You can't do it. It's really hard to clear and stay clear of the water. And if you look at positive people, generally the verbiage and vocabulary they use is stuff like this. I missed the bus. Well, let's look on the bright side. Or my spouse left me. Well, let's look on the bright side. Or I lost my job. Let's look on the bright side. Well, what that means is that for everybody who calls himself a positive thinker, they must have a negative in order to create the positive. In fact, we even know some people that find a lot of value in finding a positive every time there's a negative, so much so that they actually seek out negative things to be positive about, or we call them people who seek drama or create drama. Maybe you've even got one in your family. Just think about it for a minute. I won't point any fingers. But the kind of thinking that we really need to develop isn't positive. It's actually a proactive style of thinking, which means that we are not going to base our desires around our external circumstances. Kind of like that analogy I just spoke about earlier with the dog. If you right. decide ahead of time what it is that you want in various areas of your life, that way when a reactionary negative state shows up, you're not responding. You've already made a decision well in advance of how this is going to look for you, what you're going to do when the moment arrives, right? Kind of reminds me when I was a kid, I went to a summer camp one time, um, you know, with a church group and they actually had this idea. In fact, I, I think this is a really good analogy, actually. He said, um, I'll just leave that as a line there. He kind of said that, you know, this is kind of like drugs or this is like premarital sex or any of these things. He said, 
there are various degrees that are here, right? Like if you even talk about drugs, you said, this is maybe, you know, curiosity. This is when you take it in your hands. This, you might try your first puff on something, et cetera, et cetera. So he said to us kids, he goes, when are you going to stop? Tell me, right, you know, I'm going to draw a line on the board. Tell me when to stop. He goes, okay, you guys ready? And he said, go. And none of the kids could say stop in time, and he was already at the end of the line. <laughs> and he said, well, this is the same with anything. Again, you know, uh, if you look at premarital sex, you know, when you get caught up in the heat of the passion or when your friends tell you take that little bit of drugs or whatever, he says, if you haven't made a decision ahead of time where your stop line is, oftentimes you won't stop. You'll be reactionary. You'll go with the flow. And so I think this is a really important idea around being proactive, that when we understand which areas of our life we want to make decisions in ahead of time, we can build boundaries that will keep us from falling into traps that, you know, and by the way, it's not just even big things. We forget that sometimes, you know, how often have you known that, hey, I got to do something business-wise, but all of a sudden even a, a family member will come and say, hey, can you come and help me move today? Or somebody will say, hey, can you, you know, like even with my family, I know Distract you away from yeah, any, any kind of a distraction. So basically you allow someone else's fire to become your emergency. Yeah. And the re- the way we do that is we just don't set up any boundaries. And that's, that's a really dangerous position to be in. All right. So I, I, I could talk with you for hours and hours and hours. I love you dearly. However, it is time for the end of the We're show. There. Yeah. Um, where can people find out more about the movie, about you? Where, where can yeah. You so here's the domain name, howthoughtsbecomethings.com. You can go see the movie there right now, howthoughtsbecomethings.com. And there, there's a lot of other supplemental materials in addition to the film. So I'm going to encourage you to take advantage of those. And then certainly if you want to um, you know, follow me and see what we're doing, I've got a lot of really great materials. You can follow me on Instagram, YouTube, and all of the other social media. Just my name, DouglasRamirin.com or Douglas Vermeeran and DouglasVermeeran.com and lots of great stuff. But definitely go check out the movie. And if if you catch our vibe, you'll become our tribe. It's that easy, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. And, you know, once this pandemic is lifted, you got to let me know when you make it to New York City so we can get together and break it. We'll do it for sure. Awesome. And and I got to tell you about an organization I'm a member of called the Evolutionary Business Council. I'm aware of it. You're aware of it. All right, cool. Yes, I am. Definitely a tribe I think uh, would appeal to you. Oh, well, make the introduction. It'd be great. Absolutely. Okay, everyone, we got to go. Please stay tuned. Coming up next, Voices of Courage with uh, Ken Foster, followed later this afternoon by Antonia with her show, So Now You Know, and The Mind Behind Leadership with Graham Dobbin at 7 p.m. tonight. Thank you all for tuning in. We will talk to you next week. Take care, everyone. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.